0: Thank you, worship team, for your wonderful songs this morning. One of the songs even tied in with one of the Bible verses that I selected for today. Uh, this morning, we're going to be starting a series. Pastor Rex wanted to talk about some hot topics that uh, that are in our world that we face on a daily basis that are in our society. and And I think in the coming weeks, he'll be covering more of those. Uh, Today, for the first one, he let me pick which one I wanted to choose, and he gave me a few options and and I chose abortion, and I titled the message today, The Sanctity of Life, because it's more than just about abortion, it's about respecting life, and realizing the source of life, and honoring that. But to share a few things, I want to make sure that everybody's clear. I'm not going to show gruesome photos today because they're out there. We have young mothers with infants and women that are expecting, and I just don't feel this is the place or the time to to show those kinds of things. I don't want to get bogged down in statistics, though we'll have just a few to kind of shed some light on the subject. But more importantly, I want to try to to give you the tools that when you're out and about in your daily life and, and maybe you come across someone, a young woman or, or a couple that, that is considering having abortion, that, that maybe you can be that message that, that would convince them otherwise that there, there are other choices. But just, just to cover a few numbers here before we get started, most abortions occur among women between the ages of 20 and 30. And most women, I mean, they happen in different brackets, but the majority of them happen to women in this age bracket. And when we look at that, you know, you think, well, women at this age are probably in college, they're starting a career, and they're probably thinking about getting married or, or getting married somewhere in that bracket. Uh, 22, or I'm sorry, 40% of all abor- of I'm sorry, nearly half of the pregnancies in the United States are unintended pregnancies and almost 40% of those end in abortion. So not 40% of all pregnancies, but 40% of the ones that are unintended. So I think that kind of sheds a little bit of light on where we're at. Fortunately, statistics do show us that over the past few years that the number of abortions have decreased slightly. I'm hoping that that's a change of heart amongst Americans and, and other people in the world. But if you'd like to turn to your, to open your Bibles to Psalm 139, we'll start there this morning. And we're gonna read from verse one to verse 24. It's the entire chapter, it's not real long, but I, but I think it's worthwhile. It starts off, "'O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. "'You know when I sit and when I rise. The night will shine like the day. The darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them, were I to count them. They would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Let's bow in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day to come together in your house with your, with your people. To learn about how you want, to, want us to serve you and glorify you in our lives. Help us today to understand this difficult topic that, that's a very difficult topic to discuss in today's society. With, with both sides having a heated argument. I just ask today that, that you can help us to discern your will in this matter and give us the tools and, and the knowledge to share with those who may be considering an abortion to, to consider your thoughts and, and your way. That we are not just something that happened by chance, but, but something that was, that was made with your divine intervention. We ask this in your name, dear Father. Amen. Well, it was difficult covering the subject of abortion because you know, nowhere in the Bible does it say that thou shalt not have an abortion or, or thou shalt not kill an unborn child or, or you know, that uh, life begins at the moment of inception and, and, you know, and so on. So it's kind of difficult, but, you, but I, I still believe that God's word is very clear on this subject. And I found a few places throughout the Bible where it talks, like here in, in chapter 139 of Psalm, where, where it sa- he says that, God, you knew me before I was made. You've seen my frame as it was being made in my mother's womb. That, that's very clear to me that, that God knew us before we were, even became. It, it's hard to imagine, but, but you know God foreknows everything he knew us before we were created, and that's what the author is saying here in Psalm, that he knew me, he's seen me in my secret place. One more verse that I would like to share that I found where it kind of talked about how God seen us before, you know, or seen us in a womb before we were born, and it's in Jeremiah 1, verses 4 through 5. And it says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And here's another verse that, that kind of supports that that God knew us, or knew Jeremiah before before he was even, you know, took a breath. And I think this is one of the points where. The, our adversaries that are in support of abortion. This is one of their arguments, like, well, where does the point of life begin? At what point do we consider this, this fetus or this infant a human being? At what point it would be illegal to, to kill them? It would be illegal to end their life? And that seems to be a point of contention. It's like, where do we decide that the point of life begins? And I think it's very clear here in the scripture that that our life was started or, or began even before a mother and a father came together. You see, that plan was put into place by someone far greater than you and I. The Holy Father has a plan for each and every human being. And when a husband and a wife come together and that miracle occurs... That plan was set in place so many years before, so long before, time and time. And I just can't understand how people can think that something that that can't be seen, that that yes, maybe it can't breathe on its own if it's removed from its mother's room that that it shouldn't be considered a life. You know, I'm the father of of four kids, and I know there's families with more kids, and there's families with one child, and there's families that haven't had children yet or or won't have children, but but I remember very well each and every birth of all four of my children. Today is the birthday of my, my youngest child. He's turning 12, so it's been 12 years ago since my youngest one was born. My oldest one will be 16. So between 16 and 12 years, I remember details of each and every one of their births, okay? My first daughter, we were living in Fayette, and we decided to deliver at Toledo Hospital. So if you can imagine, it's quite a distance, oh, it's 40-some miles from Fayette to Toledo Hospital. And I'm sorry, we were living in Napoleon at that time (laughs) with our first daughter. I'm sorry. It's even a greater distance from Napoleon to Toledo. I got four kids, got to keep them all straight. But if you can imagine first-time parents being that far away from the hospital where we were gonna deliver, yeah, I was was a pretty nervous dad that night. I remember driving to the hospital down 24 to get to Toledo and I, I was pretty nervous. But I remember when we got to the hospital and I remember when she came out and we got to see her there in that little warming table and the first time that we got to hold her, and, and there's something that comes over you. I don't know if you've experienced that, maybe you're not a parent yet or, or, or otherwise, but, but there's something about that when you hold a, a little infant in your arms. You realize that you have something very precious, more precious than, than anything else that, that you've ever held before. Something more precious than anyone's ever given to you as a gift or that you've made because this this was a miracle. This is a miracle. Okay? Now I also remember before she was born, a number a few months before, when we had the opportunity to go in and have an ultrasound. And you can you can see the, the image of your child in the womb. And I know some scholars that are on our side are pro-life, say that if 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 only mothers could come with a window to their womb so that, that we all could see you know, from the first moment that, that the husband and wife come together and life is created and they're in the mother's womb and, and see the development, that there would be no more abortions if, if we could only see, you know, if, if those people could only see the miracle. I remember our second child, when she was born, she came out, we were talking about this this morning, and she came out crying like normal, you know, taking their first breaths of air, and then, and then all of a sudden, she got real quiet. And my wife said she remembers being really scared, you know, thinking there was something wrong because she'd been crying. And then all of a sudden, she got quiet. But the nurses said, no, no, she's fine, she's fine. And we remember, I remember going over and looking at her on the warming table, and she was just laying there just looking around, just taking in this, this new world. And it was just another instance where, where I felt The grace and and the the miracle of life. Here it is, right in my hands. This is my child. I got to to interact with God to help bring about a miracle. And it was amazing. Our third child, she was, she's an energetic person. And, And she came into the world very energetically. We were living in Fayette at that time when we had her. We were quite a ways from the hospital. And I remember it was the middle of the afternoon during the week. And my wife was sitting there in the chair. And, and you know, we'd been talking. I you know, said, so I think I'm having contractions. You know, I'm pretty sure of it now. And, you know, we let time go by. I'm like, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling. Oh, they're still far enough apart. I don't think we need to leave quite yet for the Toledo Hospital. Okay. So after a little while, I'm well, like, you know, it's been quite a while, you know, since you started feeling contractions. You know, do you still feel that we shouldn't leave yet? You know, this is her third child. She knows when it's time to go and when it's not. So, for some reason, she stood up. And as soon as she stood up, the contractions started coming on really fast. And she's like, I think we need to go to the hospital right now. So we had a good 40 mile drive to Toledo Hospital from Fayette. And of course, Central Avenue, in the middle of the afternoon during the week, is not a good place to be traffic wise. But I remember when we got to the hospital and the nurses in the triage, you know, where they check you out to determine you know, how far along you really are. Because a lot of times, expectant mothers come in and they're, they're not quite as far along as what they think they are. So the nurse is like, well, are you really sure you're really close, you know? And my wife was like, listen, this is my third child. I know how this works and I'm close. So they checked her out and of course she was very close and like within 45 minutes of being at the hospital our little bundle of joy was was born and like I always tell her she's like I say she's a very energetic person and she was born very energetically But I also remember the birth of my son his was a little less uneventful we had planned his his delivery and and it was going to be induced and and all the details with that but I remember that because it was very special because he was my only son I'd had three girls, and I kept praying and hoping that, that God would bless me with a son. And finally, on the last try, he did. And it was a blessing. But to, but to speak about the sanctity of life. And, and we realized, like I said, that life is a miracle from God. You know, when, when we used to farm, I remember you know, like when we'd plant our crops in the spring, uh... With, with the corn, you plant it in the ground, you plant the seed there, and it, we usually wait five, six days, and you, as a farmer, you know, you kind of feel an affinity for, for, for that seed. That seed is a, is a plant that, yes, it, it will, it's, the purpose is to, to, to earn you money and your income, but still you have somewhat of an affinity to, to see that seed thrive. There's something within you. You, you get tied into that, that miracle of life. And after about five or six days of, of being in the ground, you go back and you start to peel back the dirt, just, to, just enough to see that seed, to find the seed. And typically after five or six, seven days, there'll be a little bit of a sprout coming out of that seed. You see, as soon as that seed is planted in the earth and the ground is healed back over, God starts to work his miracles. And the miracle of life begins right there just like with human beings. When two loving people come together, and, and, and life is started, a seed is placed, and God takes it from there, and something beautiful is created. Now, I, I don't like to think about you know, nature and worshiping nature and everything, but, but nature is, is a gift that, that God has placed here for us to, to enjoy. We're placed on this earth to enjoy his pleasures and his creation. And I've seen many, many beautiful things. But I, but I tell you what, I think the most beautiful thing of all, like I said before, is holding that, that infant child. And I just can't fathom through my mind, you know, what, what would cause a woman to decide or to choose that that, that gift. It really doesn't need to be born. It doesn't need to come to fruition. That she would rather choose to, to end its life. She would rather not carry that child to full term and, and let that child experience the full grace of God, to enjoy His creation. And, and I thought about this quite a bit in the last few weeks about, you know, why would a woman do that? But, but I think there, there's, there's a few reasons and we'll try to cover a few of those. And, and like I say, hopefully from all this that you can go out about your life and, and maybe if you were on the fence about which way, whether you were pro-choice or, or pro-life, you know, maybe you can, this will help sway you. And, and I need to say that I know there's been so much energy and so much money and time put into by people that, that are trying to overturn uh, the law that's on the book of the land, you know, Roe versus Wade, the law that legalizes abortion. And I don't know, I mean, as much as I dislike that law and I disagree with it and that it shouldn't be there, I just I just think that we're going to have a better chance of winning the battle, of of changing people's hearts, rather than writing laws and and, and changing laws and things. You know, maybe that can come about eventually. But I think that we're going to have better luck if we can, we can see a change of heart in people. But I had a few reasons why I think that, that women end up having abortions. And, and one of them is, is out of desperation. I believe that, that a lot of times young women become pregnant and, and they're not married. Or if they are married, they don't feel like they have the, 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 the ability to pay for the child. They don't have the resources. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's because the, the woman is, is, is very young. Maybe she's still in high school. But, but either way, it's, it's, a lot of times it's done out of desperation. And in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows his sinful nature from the nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit, let the spirit reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now obviously, if if a young woman or a young couple feels that they don't have the resources to care for a child and to raise a child, don't you think that they shouldn't be doing things to create a child, quite simply? It's, a, it's an easy argument to make, and here in Galatians, you know the popular verse that you reap what you sow. You sow if you sow wheat, you're going to reap wheat. So. Young couples, if, if you don't feel that you have the resources to care for a child, you shouldn't be doing things that will create a child, right? And out of this, you know, if, if, they, if they go ahead and do what they must, and a child is created, it's, just, it's another one of those instances where this little sin starts snowballing, into a bigger sin, and a bigger sin, and a bigger sin. And what ends up being a, a few moments of pleasure for two, two grown people ends up in a, a life being destroyed, a life that ha- could have had potential, a life that God started. But because of sin has chose to be ended, and another sin's committed, and it just keeps snowballing. Now, I said that the uh, the worship team this morning sang a, a song that, that kind of tied into a verse that that I was going to use in my, my message today. And it's Romans 8, verse, verse 28. And it says something like this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he predestined, to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called, those he called, he also justified, those he justified, he also glorified. Now here in verse 28, it says that God works for the good of those that love him. And if a young woman would happen to to find herself in a difficult situation where she's pregnant, she's unmarried, or doesn't have the resources, and you come across these people, you you can share with them the gospel if they don't know the gospel. And if they, they do know the gospel, you can remind them of Romans 8, 28, that God works for the good of those that love him. A minister, I believe it was John Piper, he's a minister at a church in Minneapolis. He's a very well-known minister. He's written some books. But I believe he was the one that that was quoted one time as saying that that he feels that as Christians, you're, you're either at one of two stages in your life you're either going through a very difficult time, or you're just coming out of a very difficult time. And each situation is different for each person, you know, the level of difficulty can be different. Sometimes it's manageable, sometimes it's not. Sometimes you need outside help. help. But, but in all things, I believe wholeheartedly that no matter what the circumstance, that if you do God's will and you love the Lord and you have faith, that good will come out of whatever situation you're in. You know, we can think and, and start to talk about all the different children that, that mothers that considered having an abortion and, and didn't, children that survived and, and led a full life and, and came to know the full blessings of life and all the great and wonderful things that they did. And maybe that mother had to go through some very difficult situations to bring that child into this world and and to rear him up. Or maybe even it was just to to make the difficult decision that she couldn't care for the child herself, but instead to to turn it over for for adoption, that, that a loving family that would love to have a child, that maybe they can't have children on their own, could take this child and raise it as their own. I know many people, it's, it's very common today that, that people are adopting children. You know, I, from what I understand, there, there's usually a waiting list. It's difficult to adopt children. But it's another option that these mothers that, that are, find themselves in a difficult situation, it's another option that they have. And out of their desperation, it can become a blessing, whether they keep the child for themselves or if they bless another loving family that wants a child. Another, another instance where I feel that, that mothers or couples find themselves in is, is bad timing. And if you'd like to turn over to Romans chapter 9, and we'll start at verse 19... it goes something like this. One of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? For who resists his will? But who are you, O man, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to him who formed it? Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for noble purposes and some for common use? It's that verse where, you know, the, how does the clay say back to the potter, you know, how dare you make me in, in this shape or this form? You know, the clay can't go back to the potter and say that you, you shan't do this. You shall not do this. In the same way, humans cannot turn back to God and say that you, you should not do this. You should have not made me this way. You have no right But who are we to resist God? You see, he is the potter. We are the clay. He's the creator. We're the created. I think that with with bad timing, maybe a, a young woman is at a point where and I say a young woman and I apologize because I don't want to put blame on the woman because a lot of times it's, it's a man and a woman. But on the, a young couple, for bad timing, maybe they're still in college. Maybe they're just starting a new career and they, they don't want to have to take time off for maternity leave or, or have to worry about daycare and things that come along with having a small child. Like I said, all things from verse eight here in Romans that all things work for the good of those who love Him. You see, they want to see a child as as a problem rather than a blessing. And and here in verse nine, you know, I see where shall what is formed say to who formed it? Why did you make me like this? And who resist His will? See, everything happens according to God's will. And, and we could go off on a bunny trail <laughs> discussing why bad things happen sometimes. We'd like to think that only good things happen. But sometimes bad things happen. But, but, I, but I know from reading God's Word that whether it's good or bad, things happen to glorify God. He has a way of taking difficult situations and turning them around to where they glorify himself. Now, there's one other instance where where women can become pregnant by, by forms of violence. And like I say, I'm the father of three daughters, and I have a wife. And I pray that it nothing like that would ever happen to any woman. And I can't imagine the difficult situation that a woman would be put in. But all I can say is is that in all situations, God works for the good of those who love him. And I, I don't feel that I have the right to to scold a woman or scorn a woman that's going through a very difficult situation but but I believe all we can do is to rest on God's word and trust that the holy spirit can work in that woman's heart to show the way that God would want to be done now talking about abortion and I like I said it, it's difficult because you know, there's no place in the Bible where it says, you know, thou shalt not have an abortion or thou shalt not take the life of an unborn child. It doesn't say where the moment of life begins, specifically. But, but there are verses that refer to it, that, that, that God foreknew us before we were created, like we said earlier. But, but it's difficult, but we have to understand, like I say, the, the, the leading reasons why I feel that, that women or couples turn to abortion but, but to me, I think it's an underlying symptom of a greater problem that we face in, in our world. And it's nothing new. It's been happening since the beginning of time. Since Adam and Eve, we've all been dealing with this issue. And I believe the issue comes down to selfishness. It's not about what God wants. It's what I want, right? Can I have it my way? Now I apologize to you, and I say I'm I'm not. I don't I don't want to scorn women in this message, and and I'm, that is not my my uh, my thought. But I feel that that abortion is something that we need to talk about. It affects mainly women, but it also affects men because a lot of times men are involved in in these situations. But, But greater still is this issue of selfishness. If you would, please turn to Philippians chapter two. verse 1, and we'll read to verse 11. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. But that at every name, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now here we go. You know, the common, I remember reading a book about the the Chicago Bears, and I can't think of the gentleman's name right now, but he was stricken with cancer. And one of his teammates, I believe it was Gail Sayers, wrote the book. And it was called I Am Third. And I remember, you know, from, from growing up in church and going to Sunday school, and one of the first lessons that I learned in, in Sunday school as a child was is the concept of you love God first, you love others second, and you take care of yourself third. When we think of this unborn child, people don't think of it as, as a person. They think of it as a, an object something without life. Now we've determined that, that God considers that life, even though it can't breathe and, and survive on its own outside its mother's womb, it, it is a life. And it is another person. So how does a, a, a mother and a father, out of selfish ambition, in vain conceit, consider their own needs, their own careers, their own ambitions greater than the possibility that this little child that's growing within the mother's womb could become. What potential does God have for that child? It goes back to the potter and the clay. The clay saying to the potter, you know, why do you form me in this form? You can't make me in this form. You can't do that. That's impossible. See, I think that so many times, and not just with abortion, we take on the role of God in our lives, and and we like to say what's going to go and what's going to stay. And right here in Philippians, it says that, that we shouldn't do that. We have the example that Christ Jesus lived. That is who we are to imitate. How can we stray from that? And we talk about this law of Roe versus Wade, and it, it turns my stomach when I think about it, to think that there's a law on the books that would permit a child to be murdered or killed, and, and sometimes very gruesomely. But I, but I also believe that there's a greater problem here, like I said, with selfishness and, and thinking ourselves in the role of God. That we have the right take life. You see, in the Ten Commandments, the, the one commandment that most people are most familiar with is, thou shalt not kill. Now, thou shalt not kill means, you know, you shall not murder. You know, it, it doesn't mean that for self-defense or God allowed times of war, but, but for the most part, thou shalt not kill. You shall not take the life of another person. I don't think God makes it any more clear. But I just, I just feel that if we could go out, and if, if you can be that person, if you come into contact with someone, a young woman or a young couple, that is considering an abortion, please take the time and minister to them. Share with them that, that God knew this child that's growing in the mother's womb long before it was created there. that God has a plan for that child. Whether they are to raise that child once it's born or, or they, they give it up for adoption or let another loving family take that child as their own. That child has a purpose and a reason. God allowed that life to create for a reason. Last Sunday, Pastor Rex was talking about salt. And if you turn with me to Matthew 5, verse 13, real quick. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how, it can, be made, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. This is that popular verse where, you know, we talk about, you know, we are the salt of earth, the earth, Christians. We carry the word of God. We, we carry the Holy Spirit. We are his examples in the world. We all fall short. None of us are perfect. But we do the best that we can. And with the working of the Holy Spirit, we ourselves can be salt You see, salt makes bland food very appealing and appetizing. It makes it taste good. It adds flavor. It improves. As Christians, we can bring flavor. We can improve this world because we are filled with Christ, the Holy Spirit. We are salt. We have a purpose. And today that one purpose that that I hope that, like I said, that you would consider to to allow yourself to minister to these people that maybe find themselves in a difficult situation. Just ask, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, this time that we had today. Lord, we ask that you'll take this very difficult topic and you'll help us to see ways that we can minister in the world to to a world that, that's hurting and in need. We ask, Lord, that, that you would touch the lives of, of young women and, and couples everywhere that find themselves in a difficult situation, that they would not see this, this life that's growing inside as a burden rather as a blessing. A blessing that you knew from the beginning of time. A blessing that you have a plan for. A blessing that will bring glory to you. Lord, just help us today to lead a life that that is glorifying to you. That we may be salt in this tasteless and cold and bitter world. We ask this in your name.